At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. So we, uh, we did last week, we tried the finger and toe thing again. And it didn't work, y'all. Like, it didn't. And if you missed it, we were crossing fingers and toes for the Lions, hoping that the Lions would win. The week before it worked, but last week it did not work. And I thought it was going to work. I was at lunch, hitting refresh on my phone, thinking, like, they're coming back. The Lions are coming back. They're going... No, they're not. They're actually not going to do it. Like, so it was, it was so sad. Um, but there's that place where we're just going to... And I, I got to tell you, watching Lions fans, and this is... I'm saying this with sincerity. It is so encouraging to watch Lion fans because Lion fans are so faithful and they are so true to their team. Super Bowl or no, well, no Super Bowl, but like Lion fans are still like, that's our team and we're going to cheer them on and we're going for, and I love, it's not like that in Arizona. You go to Arizona, they don't care, y'all. The Cardinals are playing football. They're like, what, it's football season? Like, they don't even, it's not a thing in Arizona. And then you're like, hey, the Cardinals are in the Super Bowl. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to cheer for a day then. And so for a day, the whole state, you know, they're all Cardinal fans. And then the following day, they forget all about football again. They don't care. They really don't care. Unlike Dallas. Like, I lived in Dallas-Fort Worth. That's where I went to seminary. Okay, Cowboy fans are crazy, y'all. They are, Cowboy fans are a whole different kind of person. So you have the Detroit, Dallas, or not Detroit, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area. That's like more than 7 million people, and they all love the Cowboys. They have their jerseys with the names on the back. They love their Cowboys. And when the Cowboys score a touchdown, 7 million people are jumping up and screaming and cheering. And when there's an interception thrown, they're on the ground and they're crying. And here's the dynamic that really, I just can't figure it out. The next day, when you talk to someone about the Cowboy game, here's what they'll say. They'll say, well, we. We didn't play very good, did we? I'm like, we? Who is we? Who is this we you're talking about? We didn't play very good. We just had too many holes in the defense. We threw too many interceptions. We didn't run the ball well. We, we. And if, you, if you're like that, like I'm not picking on you because maybe you're like that with the Tigers or your Spartans or the U of M or whatever. And that's, that's, I, I just want you to know, like, we are spectators. Like, you know that, right? Like, we're not really doing it. We're not doing anything. And so we're not tying the tires to us and running up the hill both ways. We're not doing that. In the, we're an air conditioner in the off season, right? We're relaxed. And so we know that, though, don't we? Whether it's volleyball or basketball or baseball or football, it doesn't matter. We know that when it comes to the court, when it comes to the field, we're just watching. We're having a good time that the athletes are the ones down there and they're sweating through it and they're working hard and they're competing and they're doing the best they can and trying to win and trying to get the victory. I think the struggle is, because we get it reversed, I think the struggle is when we come into church and we act like this is a spectator sport. And I think that happens. I think sometimes we come into church and we act like, well, Kip's going to play some music, and Jill's going to sing a song, and Billy's going to preach a sermon, and we're going to have some experts ministering to the kids, and, and, and I'm just going to come in, and I'm going to be entertained, and I'm going to be a spectator. And then here's the danger. The danger is then I go home. And then for the other six days a week, I live a life that is separated from the body of Christ. 
I live a life that is without mission and without purpose and without redemption. And I'm, I'm trying my best to figure it out all by myself as this lone ranger. And I just want to encourage you guys today that you are called to so much more than that. You're called to so much more than that. And that's what I love about this Unshakable series that we're in because it continues to go to this foundation that calls us to do this together. And it is not just a one-day-a-week thing. This is an all-encompassing calling that we have. Let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 is where we're going to be as you're turning there. Let me go back, set the stage for you, and recap where we've been. We've been in this place where Peter says, you should be holy because God is holy. That's the calling that you have. Be holy, not so that you can earn God's love. Be holy because God is holy. And then last week, we talked about how he called us to this place where we should earnestly love one another. Earnestly, we're supposed to love one another. And today, at the beginning of uh, chapter 2, we're going to see this movement where it's not just how we relate to each other, but how we're supposed to minister alongside each other. There's going to be two focus points to the day. The first focus point is that we need to recognize your place in the house of God. Recognize your place in the house of God. Let's read starting in verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Peter says this. He says, after... He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So there's an understanding as we start the text today. The understanding is that we no longer need the physical temple. Church, that's big. That is really big because throughout the Old Testament, here's what you saw. You saw the physical temple being this place where God interacted with his people. So multiple times a year, there would be a pilgrimage to the temple. You saw the festivals at the temple, the celebrations at the temple, the sacrifice at the temple. And yet Jesus Christ came and he laid down his life as the perfect sacrifice once and for all. The temple was no longer needed. Jesus came as this rock, as this cornerstone, as the foundation of our faith and created this new covenant with a new covenant people, which is the church. And so Peter here, he refers to Christ as the living stone who has come from God. Now, don't miss this. This is so cool. And then for anyone who's placed their faith in Jesus, we then are also these precious stones. So stay with me here. That means if you place your faith in Jesus, that God is taking you and you and you and you. And he's piecing and placing us together as precious stones to build up this spiritual temple of God. Isn't that awesome? Like to me, that is so beautiful. That is so good. And then he says also that we're supposed to be this priesthood to carry out the work of the temple. I want to slow down right here because this is important. I know that there are probably those in this room, maybe you're in the overflow room, maybe you're watching online, and um, this, this priesthood word carries some baggage with you because you grew up going to a place where the priesthood meant one level of person and then normal people were a different level. And I mention that because I want your eyes wide open to the word of God today. I want you to pay very close attention 
to what the Word of God says because it's going to totally dismantle that way of thinking. Peter refers to Christ as the living stone. We are these living stones. We are part of this holy priesthood. And then Peter adds some Old Testament proof that the building of this new building and this new priesthood has been part of the plan for a long, long time by quoting Isaiah 28. Look at verse 6. First Peter chapter 2, verse 6. It says, For it stands in Scripture, and you'll see the quotation marks. That's where Isaiah 28 begins. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. And so Peter says this has been part of God's plan for a long time, that he's going to lay this cornerstone in Zion, which is Jerusalem, right? He's going to lay this cornerstone, and that for all who believe, this is an honor for all of you who believe that you're going to be part of this priesthood. All of us are going to be part of this journey. That reminds me of an article I read not too long ago. There was a a woman on the, I wish I could remember what the article was, but there was this woman on it, and she was doing like this in the picture, like, like, like she whipping it, right? And she did just like this, and she had this huge ring on. Huge ring, had her name on this. It was a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl ring. They won the Super Bowl last year, guys. So she had the Super Bowl ring, and it was pretty cool. And so I start reading the article. She was like this graphic designer for the Chiefs. And I thought, well, I, I didn't know the PR department got a ring. I thought it was only the athletes. And so this week, I actually started doing some digging, do you know how many rings the Chiefs gave out after the Super Bowl? Seven hundred rings. That's how many Super Bowl rings the organization gave out. And I thought, well, that's weird, but it's not weird. That's how they do it. So when the Cleveland Cavaliers, when they won the NBA championship with LeBron on the team, they gave out a thousand rings. So back to the Chiefs. The Chiefs, as they're listing everyone who got it, they're like the security team. Well, security team, they're part of the team. The ticket takers, they're part. The hot dog people, well, they need a ring, you know, and so we're getting them a ring, and the, the PR people, of course, they're going to get rings, and the players, they get rings. Executives get rings. If you're part of the team, everybody gets a ring. We're all celebrating. One day, guys, when the Lions win the Super Bowl. <laughs> all right, so the second service laughed too, and that wasn't even written as a joke, just so you know, when I wrote it, I was being sincere. I was, I was thinking as I wrote this, I was going, no, there are people at our campus, and you know people who when the Lions went, they're going to get a ring. Like, they are going to get a ring. They're part of the organization, and they're going to get a ring, and it is going to be cool, and you ain't going to laugh anymore. You're going to be like, okay, actually, it's pretty awesome. Like, I got to see a real Super Bowl ring. That's what Peter is saying right here. He's saying it's the same thing. For God's people, that if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you are part of it. It is for all who believe. You are included. You are one of those precious stones that he's using to build up a spiritual temple. You are part of this holy priesthood, which then brings a question, so then what? So I'm, I'm part of the holy priesthood, but what does that even mean? Right, what does it mean to be part of the royal? Well, he tells us. Back in verse 5, he says, you yourselves, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, if I'm sitting where you are, I'm going, okay, I'm part of the priesthood. I'm supposed to offer these sacrifices, these spiritual sacrifices. Which sacrifices? 
Right? Now, maybe you didn't think that at all, but if I'm sitting where you're sitting, that's what I'm wanting to know. Like, what spiritual sacrifice am I supposed to offer? And then you go back to First Peter and you start reading, and you're like, oh, he actually doesn't follow that with anything. Like, he doesn't tell, but he, da- he does tell us, doesn't he? He's already told us back in chapter 1, verse 16, he said, you need to be holy because God is holy. Be holy in all that you do. Not be holy on Sunday. Not be holy on your way to church when everyone's wanting to be so stressful because your hair's not right and we didn't get all the food we were supposed to and we need to get gas and we're stressed because we're running late. No, not just then. Like we're always supposed to be holy. We're supposed to offer our bodies. Isn't this what we read in Scripture? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's our spiritual sacrifice. And so quite literally what we read in Scripture, church, is you are not only this precious stone, you're part of this holy priesthood, and and you have this calling on your life to offer your very life as a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. That means everything. That means that place that you don't want to forgive, yeah, that's the Lord. you got to hand that over. That place where you have that hurt, yeah, you got to let go of that. you got to give that to the Lord. Those hang-ups that we have, we got to give that to the Lord. That's his. we got to lay that at his feet. You've heard me say so many times, I didn't invent it, some other pastor did. You can give your time, your talent, and your treasure. I do want to say thank you guys all so much for being here today because you're giving your time. There are those who are going to watch online this morning. They're giving their time. They're saying, I'm going to set this, this time aside. This is the Lord's time. I'm going to be very intentional with this time. I'm not going to put off meeting together. You could have been anywhere this beautiful day outside. And yet you're here. You're faithfully gathering here. You're giving your time. So many of you during this COVID crisis, you've continued to be faithful with your finances. You continue to be faithful giving your treasure. Now, we don't pass the plate like we used to. We're just trying to cut down on the amount of one hand touching another hand with all the COVID stuff. So there are baskets at the back of the room. And you can drop your offering there, but most people shifted to online giving. But what I know about this church family is people have continued to be faithful in their giving and giving of your, your talents. Right now, there are people who are ministering to the kids right now as we speak. Every week, we have a worship team who gets up here. Every week, we have a tech team who's so good and so faithful at making sure that our online services are working, that our sound is working, the lights are working. Every single week between services, we have people spraying down all of the chairs, making sure everything is clean and ready to go. We have people who continue to use their time, their talent, and their treasures. But I guess my question to you is, what area are you holding back? What area are you holding back? And maybe a better way to ask that question is, when it comes to your spiritual growth, do you find yourself kind of in the same place now that you were at six months ago? If there's been no spiritual growth there, Guys, that's an issue. That means there's some things you're holding on to. We should be in this continued process of becoming more like Christ. This continued surrender, this continued deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him process. There should be spiritual growth in our lives. If you look back six years, are you pretty much the same today spiritually that you were six years ago? If so, that's an issue. And my question is, what are you not letting go of? Now, for some of you, it is a time thing. You're like, you know what, I'll give my finances, I'll do that, I'll, I'll write a tie check out, but I'm busy. Pastor, you don't know how busy, I'm, I'm really busy. And so I can make one service per month, that's 25%, that's better than 10%, that's better than a tithe, right? 
And there's people who are logically trying to outlogic the Bible. You're not offering your bodies as living sacrifice. You're trying to debate and argue God. There's others who are going to say, okay, I will be here. Not just like that person over there who's like one weekend a month. I'm here at least three weekends a month, right? I'm going to reverse that process. I'll just take one off. You know what I'm here? Three weekends per month. I'm here. I'm not giving a penny, though. I'm not going to do it. I'm not giving that treasure. We don't know what's going to happen with the stock market tomorrow. Things are a mess. I'm going to hang on just in case. You know, the Lord doesn't need my money. Cattle on a thousand hills. I'm going to hold on to my money. That's what I'm going to. And some people's their treasure. For some people, you're, the big thing you have trouble letting go of is, is going to be your, your talent. Right? We have people who are looking at their talents going, you know, in the real world, people pay me to do this. And so I'll volunteer with kids. I'll volunteer with students. I'll volunteer with the worship team. I'll volunteer uh, shaking hands and smiling at the door. When you start paying me, you know, because that's the way it's going to be. And you just you struggle with what it means to truly offer our lives as living sacrifices. What does that mean? And so we are all, every single one of us, part of this holy priesthood. We all are living stones. The Lord is building us together, not alone. We're being built together to create this spiritual temple. And so I just want you to continue to wrestle with that. What is that area that I'm not really letting go of yet? You know, is it the forgiveness? Is it the hurt? Is it the hang-up that I have? Peter then shifts gears. And he starts to talk about uh, this group that the Lord has an affinity toward, right? The Lord has his people, the Hebrew people, the chosen people. These are the people that God set free from slavery in Egypt. These are the people that God gave the law to through Moses. These are the people that received the temple through David and through Solomon. These are the people from whom Jesus the cornerstone of our faith was born. And yet Peter says, here's, here's what happens though. Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. But that same stone, that same cornerstone isn't a cornerstone of faith for some. For some, he's a stumbling block, right? That stone is a, is a tripping hazard. Here's what we're going to see as we see don't stumble over the word of God. Verse 7 and 8 says this. It says, so the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So here Peter quotes Psalm 118 and Isaiah chapter 8, these two Old Testament passages that point to this cornerstone. But what he says is that same cornerstone of faith is also a stumbling block for others, it's going to be that place where people get tripped up. That rock of offense is what he calls it. Now, go back to verse 4 for a moment because he hinted about this section. He says, as you come to him, a living stone, look what it says, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. If you've placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you're going to see Jesus the cornerstone of your faith as chosen and precious. Others, those outside the faith, they're going to see something completely different. It's kind of like that saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. You've heard that, right? It's like that show, American Pickers. Y'all watch that show? 
where they'll walk in and there's the barn and the barn's all in disarray and stuff's all over the place and they start digging through stuff. They're like, hey, look at this sign. Someone will pay me $10,000 for this sign. And you're like, what? You know, it just, and, and if you don't get it, you're not going to get it. Like, it doesn't make sense. Or on HGTV, anyone watch that channel? Okay, now why is it, why is it, I just, I, I have to ask because last service did it too. I had two people raise their hand for real. And then I had half the people in the room do this. That kind of says like, oh yeah, I watch a lot of it. I'm not going to admit to it. Like I'm not. Let me, for everyone else in the room that you don't know what I'm talking about, HGTV, I don't even know what it, home, okay, whatever. So home and garden TV. So they will have these television shows where these people will walk around their old town, you know, they're looking at their old town and they stop in front of this house. And this house has like a toilet bowl up on top of the roof. And the hot water heater is just laying out in the front yard. And they got duct tape holding this house together. And I'm watching, as a guy who's not very good with my hands, I'm watching going, oh, no, that's a big pass. You pass on that one every, move on down to the next house. But they're like, oh, this one's got potential. This one is, this one's a beauty right here. She's a beauty, just needs a little love. And then on the show, you're watching and they hammer a little bit, and they screw some screwdrivers, and they, they saw some things, and they paint it, and they step back, and you're just, your mouth hits the floor, because you're like, it's beautiful. How did you know? Like, what in the world just happened? It's amazing to watch. Or, do you guys know Lauren and Nate? Lauren's our, our, um, our administrator here. Yes, she's awesome. So their wedding, bless their hearts, getting married has been, it was so challenging, it was so challenging because it was like, we've got wedding plans. Oh, no, we're changing those plans. And now we've got new wedding plans. We're going to change those plans. Finally, she's like, we're putting out a tent in the yard. That's what we're going to do. So they had this tent in the yard, and they're like, okay, now we need, we need some decor. We need to make it look beautiful. So her brother Drew, you know, he's doing some looking, and he found these old farm windows, like, you know, farm windows, right? And he's like, Billy, it was the weirdest thing. So I went, and I looked, and, like, there's a lot of money in windows here. And the guy's shaking his head. He's like, I'm about to throw the things out. Like, I'm about to throw them in the garbage. I just want to get rid of them. And Drew's like, you're sure $30 for the whole bunch? He's like, actually, I just want you to get rid of them. You know, just, yeah, $30 for the whole bunch. You can have them all. And so he's loading these up. And, and then here's what Lauren and Nate do. They make these things absolutely beautiful to decorate one of the most important days of their lives. This place of honor, this place of respect, this place that is, is precious and chosen. Isn't that incredible? This guy looked at it as trash, but it was precious and chosen for that particular day. That's the way we see Christ. We see Christ as precious and chosen as the cornerstone to our very faith. And yet those outside the faith, they don't see that. Do you know what they're going to say? They're going to say that Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. That no one, listen, no one comes to the Father except through him. They're going to get mad. And they're going to say, how exclusive are you trying to be? That's ridiculous. And then they're going to say, you have to be born again? Are you listening to yourself? You sound crazy. You can't be born again. Once you're born, you can't be unborn and reborn. Like, what are you even talking about? And they'll get mad about it. I have to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow? What are you trying to sell me? Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they're going to say, and this is the kicker, and if you're here, maybe you have said this out loud, and maybe it's been in private, and you're like, how did Billy know? Because I've been there, and I've said it, but 
it's when we start to talk about the need for a savior that all of a sudden the individual far from faith is going to say, but I don't need a savior because I've never done anything all that bad. And if you've ever said that, then you don't understand the weight of sin. You don't really understand what it means to be a hostage, a slave to sin. Because that's why Jesus came. Jesus came because on our own, this is the good news of the gospel. On our own, you can't climb out of that place of being a hostage of sin. You can't do that on your own. That's why Jesus Christ came. He redeemed us. He rescued us. He purchased us out of sin. This is the beauty of the gospel. Now, it's true. There are things in the gospel that are hard, church. It's easy to understand, but it's hard to live out. It's hard to live out selflessness. It's a double-edged sword. It's not easy when we're talking about forgiveness. This is tough stuff that we're dealing with. And yet, the calling is crystal clear. We are precious stones, every single one of us, being built in to this spiritual temple. All of us are part of this holy priesthood for all who believe. And yet, there are things that we still struggle letting go of, isn't there? So how do we do that? How do we take that step of faith? You know, this is where a lot of times I like to um, involve testimony, where I just take someone, one of you, and, and I have you share your story. The challenge with that is, is sometimes when you hear the stories, there's stories like this. There's stories that say, I was bad. I was very bad. And I did lots of all the bad things, every bad thing I did, but now Jesus and, and, and you sit there, and you're like, that's amazing. i got to tell you, I love those stories. I do. I absolutely love those stories. And I love the ones where people say, I just wanted to fall more in love with the Word of God, so I memorized it twice, all of it, chapter, verse, ask me anything. I got it memorized. I know it all. And sometimes when I hear those testimonies, and, and sincerely, like when I ask Pastor Billy, when I see it where you're sitting and I hear those testimonies, my thought is, I don't know that I can ever get there. Like, I hear your testimony, I hear your faith. I just don't know that I have that kind of faith. I don't, I don't, I want, I want that. I just don't know how to go from where I am to where you are. And so I share that to say sometimes it really helps to hear the story of faith as someone, as someone's actually walking through it. Does that make sense? When someone's actually like right where you are. And so I've asked Jeremy to come and share with me this morning. Church, help me in welcoming Jeremy this morning. You got some friends here. All right. So uh, first of all, I know you, you do have some friends, and there's some people who know you, and then there's some people who you're new to them. And yeah. so just share a little bit about who you are. Share a little bit about your family sure. and how you came to Woodside. Yeah, absolutely. So hi, guys. My name is Jeremy. I'm a 23-year-old here, and uh, my family and I, mom, dad, brother, and sister, came to Woodside about a year ago. Um, we got involved in... Uh, uh, life groups and everything, and we've really been starting to feel like we've become a part of the church family. It's been so great for our, our growth and uh, our walks with Christ, and it's just been a, a journey so far. Yeah, I like that church family. And you, so you, ha you have a brother. Yes. It's his birthday. It is his birthday. We sang today. happy birthday to him in the last service. He liked that term, beat red, oh, from yeah. what I hear, oh, yeah. which is great. <laughs> I couldn't see him because he was hiding at the back. But yeah. so you got a brother, you got a sister. A mom, a dad, a you. Yes. And so that's a house full. Yes, sir. And so there's times in the family that you're around the kitchen table, and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And you can grow at the, at the kitchen table together, but there's also times where you get alone, and you shut your door, and you're by yourself in your yeah. room. And that's kind of how it is in faith, right? We come together on Sunday mornings as church family, and growth can happen right here, but it also happens in your prayer closet. So, Jeremy, talk to me 
a little bit about that process of what that growth has looked like. Because sure. from our conversations, spiritually, you don't feel like you're at the same place now that you were two years ago Absolutely or even not. six months ago. There's yeah. been change. Yeah. Um, so one of the big changes for me, uh, as of recently, I've started uh, fasting and doing a lot more prayer. And through that, it was, a, it was a, something that I had always kind of wanted to do, but I never took the effort um, to actually do it. I always was giving myself excuses. You know, it's that time of the year, wedding season here. and Wedding what? season. Who? Yeah, wedding season. Because it's a season. It is, it is. That Who wants to miss out on wedding food, right? Yeah, like, so you can't on. fast during wedding season. <laughs> um, so excuses, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't know how I was going to get through a work day without food. You know, I get hungry. and um, <laughs> Girl and boy, <laughs> yes, food. Yes, so that... Uh, this shifting the focus from the hunger of the flesh um, to the hunger of Christ and, and that, that moment of realization that, you know, we're here to be living sacrifices for Jesus and we're here to um, just follow and obey what his command says in, in the Bible. And so um, I've, I've recently been doing that and it's been amazing to just see how Jesus has been moving in my life and, and in those around me um, and, and to just see how he's uh, transforming uh, my life and revealing things to me and things that I would have never ever seen before in my life had I not done this. So it's been incredible. Yeah, so a few weeks back, we um, actually had a prayer and praise night here at the church on a Thursday night. And at, during that night, I announced that we're going to go into a month of prayer and fasting as a church. So at this first time you're hearing about it on Thursday, which for you it's Friday. Yep. But on Thursdays, I'm asking people to fast and pray on Thursdays. And as you're fasting and praying, you're praying for spiritual revival in yourself, in your family, unity within the church family. Uh, these are the things I've asked people to pray for. And yet, just getting started sometimes is hard, yeah. even knowing what that means. So I, I have people in this room right now who are absolute prayer warriors. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I call the church to prayer and fasting, they get fired up. They get excited because they're like, yes, it's something they've, they just build their life around, right? right? And yeah. then for others in this room, they don't even know what that means, prayer sure. and fasting. So walk us through when you say you've been fasting and praying, mm -hmm. what does that mean? What do you do? Yeah, so um, my fast, I've chosen to make it a day, um, a day-long fast. So I would go usually from 9 o'clock Thursday night to Saturday morning breakfast time. Um, and the time that I would normally spend on Fridays eating, um, I would take that time to go spend in the Word of God and reading and praying and just reflecting uh, and listening, more importantly, to what Jesus has been revealing to me in my life and what he's been able to um, uncover and show me and where his will is for my life and just hear what he has to say. Just take that time to intentionally listen to the Holy Spirit. And it's been incredible to just see um, what he has revealed to me and where my life is going because of it. So I love what you said about listening and hearing the Holy Spirit because I, church, right, this is what happens is you get called to this month of prayer. We're going to kind of book in and end the month of prayer the very last Thursday of October. We'll come back together in this room for a night of prayer and worship uh, to end that, that time of prayer. But a lot of times our prayer life is you get alone, you shut the door. Well, I'm really in a hurry, so I need to tell the Lord what I need real fast. Right. And we don't listen yeah, yeah. always. But that time of fasting really gives you an opportunity right. to listen. And sometimes yeah. it leaves you feeling like you're on a mountaintop. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's kind of crushing the conviction yeah. that's there. Yeah. And you, you get a little bit of both, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, Jeremy, let me ask this. There are, again, there are people who have never taken that step. And like you, 
they're probably at that place that they've been hearing it and thinking about it, not sure how to get started maybe, just haven't taken that step. Sure. Just as that final encouragement, what would you say to the individual who's in this room, who's been thinking about prayer and fasting, they just haven't taken the step yet? Yeah, definitely. So for anybody who's um, thinking about doing prayer and fasting, um, just, you know, some things that I've seen and the ways that I've seen God work in my life are unfathomable, you know, just to be able to understand the way that God works, we will never understand. But um, it's just, I would encourage you to take that leap of faith to uh, dive into this and, and just say, you know, okay, God, I, I will surrender, fully surrender myself to you, and I will do what your word says, and uh, and just go head first into this with um, open ears and, and an open heart to for God to uh, speak and work in your in your heart and mind. Um, so if yeah, if that's something that you're on the fence about, I would totally encourage you to do it. It's been it's been a blessing. You never know how the Lord will use the time that you honor Him with to bless you. So that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Jeremy, thank you so much no for problem. having the boldness no to do this today. I'm going to ask him to stay up here just for a second. So I do want to ask you, where's that area that you've been holding back? I asked it earlier, I want to end the service by asking again, what's that space in your life that you've just been holding on to a little bit? You know, is it a pride thing? Is it a forgiveness thing? Is it a courage thing to get out of the boat and take that step? What is it with you that you've just been holding on a little bit? Because for all who believe, we have the same calling, and we get the opportunity to offer those spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, I do thank you for today. I thank you for the redemption that we have in Christ, the cornerstone of our faith. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. I thank you for the continued faithfulness of meeting together, of, of being willing to be a little bit vulnerable, of getting into the messy places of life. Lord, I thank you for Jeremy's boldness this morning. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long day when he's used to the 10 o'clock service, being here for all three. So I do thank you for just his courage in sharing his story of where he's at, of his faithfulness to you. Lord, I thank you for just young men who are willing to know you and to make you known. God, I do pray for my brothers or sisters in this room right now that maybe, maybe they're having trouble taking a step of faith. That faith just seems like an elusive thing that they can't get a hold of and they hear about people who can get out of the boat or people that have the faith of a mustard seed that can say from this mountain to move and it'll do so and and Lord, maybe there's individuals right here saying, yeah, but I don't see how this sickness is going to get fixed. Now, I don't see how this financial thing is going to happen. I don't, see how, I don't see how the job thing is going to work out. This relational thing is going to work out. Lord, let our hope and our faith be in you. Let it be in Christ alone, not in the shifting sands of the world. God, I pray for the person who is struggling with forgiveness right now the person who's struggling with boldness in their faith to speak truth. They know the Holy Spirit's been stirring, but they haven't taken that step. Lord, for the person who right now they've been thinking about fasting, they've been thinking about prayer, they just haven't taken the step. I pray that, that Jeremy's testimony this morning is that final piece of encouragement to help them step over the line. Lord, then, more than anything, we pray that we continue to be a people who seek your name and your renown then we're not content going through the motions of 
going to church, that we truly live out the calling to be the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's close our morning as we stand and worship together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.